with us here this morning at Rethink Life Church. And man, we're excited for those who are part of our online experience. We get uh, comments all the time from people who really appreciate the fact that we make this uh, available and they're able to kind of keep connected with us, even though they're traveling or out and about doing different things. But uh, we're excited for what God's doing. Man, it's hard to believe that just two weeks away, it is Resurrection Sunday. Can you believe that Easter is almost here? That's unbelievable to me. And in your seats, you uh, when you came in today, uh, you have some invite cards. Let me just encourage you to uh, be thinking about people that you know. Feel free to take that sheet with you. You can obviously tear those off and uh, have some readily available. Keep them in your purse or maybe in your, in your car or maybe on your desk at work or wherever so that you can really seize the moment to invite people. There's not a better opportunity when it comes to inviting people to come to church more so than Easter Sunday. And so uh, it's been said that 82% of people would be willing to go to church if someone would just invite them. And so there's all kinds of people out there, especially our friends, our coworkers, classmates, neighbors, maybe even some of our family members that may not typically go to church, but maybe this is the day. This is the Sunday that God wants to use to win some of those people to the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And so all it takes is a simple invite. We've provided those for you. Uh, to be able to extend the invitation. And by the way, for the families that want to be a part of something, especially for the kids, uh, at our Lake Nona campus, immediately after our uh, 11 a.m. service over there, on Easter Sunday, out on the football field, we're going to be having 10,000 Easter eggs. So make sure you load up the kids. There's going to be a lot of fun, just a lot of activities and things that we're able to do out there. So I hope that you can join us. Well, we started a new series last weekend called Steps. And one of the things that we're learning in this particular series is, is that there's always a next step that God wants us to take when it comes to fulfilling His plan and His greater purpose for our lives. And that's the reason why... I think it's so important that we keep in mind that life's a journey, not a destination. And I like to say it this way. Spiritual growth is not an event. It's not a one-time thing. No, it is a process. There's always a next step in our spiritual journey for us to take. You never get to a place where we can kind of just sit back, spiritually speaking, and say, okay, I've arrived. Okay, if you know someone who has that mindset... You need to humble them really fast, all right? Because nobody has arrived spiritually. We are a work in progress. Can I get an amen? We all need the the help and the support and the encouragement, but we need to take the necessary steps in our lives so that we can grow. And that's the reason why we're really focusing on three specific steps in this series. We're learning how to step up, step out, and then step in. And today what I'm going to do for a few moments is really talk to you about the subject of stepping out. You know, I don't think there's anything more powerful than to really understand and wrap our mind around the fact that God stepped out of heaven through his son, Jesus Christ, when he left heaven and came to earth in order to rescue you and me. I mean, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine where I would be today, where you would be today, where there would be no hope if, if it were not for the love that God extended, the, init, the initiative that he took to step out of heaven and to come to earth so that we could, have a, we could have a hope, we could have forgiveness, we could have salvation, and ultimately we could have purpose here on earth, and ultimately we could have life in heaven one day. It all happened because of God stepping out from heaven to earth in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. And so when you think about that, the Bible says it this way in Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and to save those 
who are what? Say it out loud. Lost. Lost. I'll never forget, a number of years ago, my uh, wife and I and uh, our kids, we went to an Atlanta Braves spring training baseball game. And, uh, you know, right now, spring training season, so uh, we went out to, uh, to Disney, and so we were watching one of the ball games, and happened to be a, a night game, and uh, when the game was over, they invited all of the ladies to stick around, and they even made an announcement at, on the front end of the ball game, which was very smart of the sponsors, because I don't think there was one single lady that left the ball game that night. And the reason why is because after the ball game, they were going to give away a one-carat diamond to the woman who was able to find it. So what they did is they invited all the ladies to come out into the baseball field, and they actually lined them up along the fence in the outfield, you know, where the warning track is. And I'll never forget, I mean, there were literally hundreds of ladies lined up around the, the wall of the, of the outfield. And, uh, and so what they had done... The diamond sponsor had placed a one-carat diamond under the dirt somewhere buried in the infield. And they gave every one of those ladies a plastic spoon. Well, they had a guy in the infield who, you know, kind of, you know, fired the gun uh, when it was time for them to take off and running. And it was a spectacle. It was incredible to watch these women at the sound of the gun take off, I mean, in a full sprint, running towards the infield. And I promise you, there was one lady, she had only taken about 20 steps when she tripped and fell. I mean, she did a, she did a face plant right there in the outfield of the grass. There was not a single woman that even stopped to make sure she was okay. Man, they had their eye on the prize. Man, they were, they were determined. They were focused. They were running, charging that infield. And for about 45 minutes, these ladies were just scooping up little, little, you know, little spoonfuls of dirt, trying to find that one-carat diamond. And then all of a sudden, you just heard this screeching sound when this one lady found the buried diamond. She was jumping up and down, and all the other ladies, you know, some of them came and congratulated her. Others were kind of like giving her the look like, you know, can't believe that. But it was amazing to watch all of these women so focused, so determined, and yet at the same time, so persistent to make sure that they found that hidden diamond. You know, I was processing that, and I was thinking to myself, you know, as followers of Jesus Christ, I mean, what would, it, what would it look like? What would it be like if we had that same kind of focus and determination and persistence when it came to reaching people who are far from God, who are spiritually lost, people who really matter to God? Can you imagine what would happen if we had that kind of determination, that kind of commitment when it came to, to seeking those who are lost? And I think that's really most importantly what we have to understand when it comes to the, to the heart of God. God loves every single one of us. I want you to know something. There is not a person in this room, there's no one listening this morning whom God does not love. No matter where you've been, what kind of mistakes you've made. Listen, God demonstrated, he proved, he actually showed you and me how much he loved us when he came to earth, when he stepped out of heaven and came to earth in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, so that those of us who were lost could ultimately be found. And I love the story of Jesus. And, and you know, Jesus was amazing when he was, he, when he was here on earth. You know, it was, he, he, people were, were attracted to Jesus. I love the fact that the Bible says he was a friend of sinners. And one day he was teaching and 
people in the crowd came and, you know, the people of all walks of life came to hear him because he was known as a friend of sinners. And in Luke chapter 15, we pick up the story in verse 1, and it says these words, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and, and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. It's an incredible picture. Jesus was was speaking to an audience who could completely understand and relate to what he was talking about because obviously in those days, in biblical times, you know, one of the, one of the, the most popular occupations was, 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 was shepherding. It was, it was tending to one's land. It was taking care of one's livestock. And so shepherds were very common in those days who were tending to their flocks of sheep. And so Jesus is using this metaphor, this word picture, to drive home the reality of why he came to earth and what our responsibility is as followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, just curious, how many of you have ever lost something that was important or perhaps of great value to you? Let me see your hands. We've all, we've all maybe lost something that, that meant a lot, maybe meant a great deal to you. Um, I, I shared not too long ago, it was back in December at my daughter's wedding, how I lost my cell phone, still never found it. And, you know, it's one of those things when you lose something like that that's very important. You know, you have all the, you know, your contacts. you got a lot of personal information in there. And so you're, you're, you're fearful. You know, you're, you're kind of, your mind just starts racing. You start thinking about the worst case scenario. And that's, that's what happens. And we kind of go into this mindset of panic and we have fear. And, you know, all of a sudden, not only are we now, not only are we now gripped with fear and panic, but, but now we're, we're at a place where we're even feeling frustrated because we think to ourselves, man, how could I do such a thing? How in the world was I so negligent? And so you're processing all of these things. I'll, I'll never forget when our children are a lot younger. Um, our, in fact, our youngest son, our, our youngest, our son Luke, he was probably about four or five years of age. And we went out to Disney one day. And I'll never forget, we were, uh, we were actually at Magic Kingdom, and we were heading towards Main Street. And so we were kind of, you know, getting our, our bearings together. We were trying to figure out where we were going to go first. And so we had the map, you know. So you're looking at the map. You're trying to figure out where you want to go and how you're going to get there. And within just, it just literally seemed like within seconds, we, 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 were, we were looking at the map. We got distracted, preoccupied. We had all three of our kids there. And then all of a sudden, when we closed the map and we said, okay, let's go, Luke was gone. And, and my daughter Ashlyn and my daughter Rebecca were there. And we said, hey, where's Luke? I thought you had Luke. And they said, no, he, I don't know where he went. And I'm telling you, as a parent, you know that feeling. You're just like, suddenly, you're just, you, your heart starts racing. You have that, that sense of panic. And you're thinking, where in the world did he go? And all you can see up and down Main Street is just a sea of humanity. 
And within about three to four minutes, as we're, we're, we're just looking everywhere, you know, he's, he's a little redheaded guy, you know. We think, man, surely he, he's easy to spot. You couldn't find him anywhere. And then after about 15 minutes, thinking where in the world is it, we searched high and low. We finally went to the lost and found. And there was our sweet lady who had found Luke, and she had escorted him to the lost and found. And our lost son was found. And you know, when you think about that, you know, the mindset of a parent who maybe perhaps has that moment, you know, of, of losing a son or a daughter who, who wanders off. There's this tremendous fear and panic that just kind of grips you. Well, that's exactly what was going on with this shepherd. Here was a shepherd who had a great responsibility, who was looking after and watching over this flock of sheep. And Jesus said, you know, when you think about it, it's just like you and me. In the case of a shepherd, if you have a hundred sheep and one wanders off, what do you do? Put yourself in the sandals of this shepherd. I mean, here's a shepherd who perhaps is, he's gathering his sheep. It's getting late in the day. And so he gathers his sheep and he puts them into a pen, a place of safety, a place of protection. And I'm sure just like any wise shepherd would do, they're taking inventory. So he puts his sheep in the sheep pen and he's counting his sheep, 96, 97, 98, 99. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's going back through his inventory once again. He's looking at all the heads of sheep. 96, 97, 90, 90, 98, 99. Where did that other lost, where did that sheep go? And all of a sudden his mind is beginning to think, what just happened? He's starting to go through a sense of panic, fear. He's, he's thinking, you know, an irresponsible, irresponsible, he's being irresponsible and frustrated because of, of the negligence of, of letting one of his sheep go. And so what do you do? What do you do? Well, a, well, a shepherd doesn't say, well, I've got 99 others over here. We'll just let that one, we'll, we'll just kind of count our losses. You know, my son wandered off. Michelle and I didn't say, well, we got two more kids. Poor Luke, I guess he'll just have to figure it out on his own. No. What do you do? You leave those who are safe and secure under supervision and protection, and you go after the one that's lost. And so when you think about lost, what does it mean to be lost? Have you ever thought about that? Spiritually speaking, what does it mean to be spiritually lost? Well, it means two things. It means, number one, that we, that we lose our direction. That's what it means to be spiritually lost. It means, spiritually speaking, we lose our sense of direction. You know, a sheep, they are prone, it's a part of their nature, to wonder. I mean, think about it. They're out there, you know, eating grass. And then all of a sudden, they get a little further out. They see some more greenery. And so they start pursuing, you know, the, the greener pasture. And they nibble a little bit. And then they nibble a little bit more. And they get further and further away until they've wandered off. Well, the same is true with us, spiritually speaking. That's what happens because we suddenly choose a direction that we want to pursue we begin to look at life from a different perspective. And here's what happens. What happens is, is that we begin to say, you know what? I think I 
can make wise enough decisions to control the outcome. So I'm going to base my decisions on what is right to me. And here's what the scripture says. The scripture says it this way. In Zechariah 10 verse 2. So my people are wandering like lost sheep. They are attacked because they have no shepherd. Now, I think for a lot of us, we fail to realize that, you know, when it comes to the sense of direction or lack thereof in our lives, God has a plan and he has a purpose. And anytime we choose to follow our plan as opposed to God's plan, we're always going to drift spiritually. And maybe some of you here today, you know someone in your life, maybe a, a close friend, a relative, maybe a, even a, a coworker, maybe a classmate. And when you look at their life, you can see that maybe they have wandered. In other words, they have drifted off into an area where they're making decisions. Maybe they're living a particular lifestyle. Maybe they're involved in some things. And you're thinking to yourself, man, I just wish we could reach out to them. Man, I just wish this person could, could really discover God's plan and God's purpose and, and how much greater it would be if they could really just understand what it means to live a Christ-centered life and what it could do for their marriage what it could do for their family relationships, what it could do to have a greater sense of peace and purpose in their life. But so often those who are chasing after other things, that's really what they're pursuing. That's what they're longing for. But unfortunately for a lot of people, they wander off and yet they get so far out spiritually, they never find their way back. And that's one of the things that I think is so important for us to realize is that when it comes to the sense of lostness of so many people, that's where a lot of people find themselves as they are just simply lost when it comes to a sense of direction in their lives. But not only are they, not only are they lost in their sense of direction, but here's another thing. They're lost because they have no protection. You see, when you, when you think about a person who's lost, just like a sheep, a sheep that wanders off the path, well, now all of a sudden they become vulnerable. I mean, think about it, a sheep, they don't have the ability to protect themselves. They don't have the ability, you know, they, they, they can't claw, they can't run very fast, you know, they don't really bite, and so therefore they're, they're, they're harmless. They're, they're, they're vulnerable from the, from the predators that ultimately can come and take them out. So that's the reason why the shepherd leaves the 99. He goes after the one because not only was he lost in the sense of direction, he had wandered off, but now he's lost because he has no protection. He's vulnerable, he's exposed. And that's why we have to understand that we have a real spiritual predator. We have a spiritual enemy. His, his name is Satan. And the Bible says he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says that, that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so when you think about the people in our lives, or maybe you can relate to this in your own life, you understand that maybe there was a time in your, loss, in your life where you were lost and you were wondering spiritually. And you can remember where you felt so vulnerable. You can remember what it was like making decisions that, that maybe caused you regret. And you were thinking to yourself, man, I wish I would have never done that. I wish I would have listened to other people's advice and counsel. I wish I would have made better decisions. But now we're at a place and the enemy perhaps has, has got us in a, in, a, in a trap or a foothold. And we don't, know how to, uh, we, don't, we don't know how to get out of it. And we know people in our lives like that. People whose marriages are messed up. People who, whose lives have maybe fallen into a path of addiction. Maybe situations or circumstances, you know, just in the relationships or maybe emotionally 
just things from their past that maybe they just feel like, you know what, I'm in a place where I, I feel trapped and I don't know how to get out. And there may be somebody here today and maybe that's where you are or maybe you know someone that's where they are. And so the question is, what do we do? We've got to step out of our place of comfort. We've got to be willing to step into the lives of people who are spiritually lost. Why? Because they have no direction. They have no protection. And God wants you and he wants me to reach out. Why? Because we have a, we have a spiritual responsibility. If you were lost and someone reached out to you, someone stepped out and, and invited you to be a part of maybe a service like this, or maybe they stepped out to you out of love and concern and said, hey, man, I've noticed that, you know, you've drifted. You're not where you could be, you should be. I've noticed that there's no protection in your life. You know, you've been out here making decisions on your own, and, and now you're having to reap the, the pain and the, and the consequences and the hardships of maybe, you know, what you've brought upon yourself. And it's not that we're trying to, you know, condemn people but if anything sometimes we're trying to just help them understand you know what god has a better way you don't have to you don't have to live like this there's a there's a there's a hope there's a plan there's a purpose and so what god wants us to do is he wants us to leave the place of convenience he wants to leave to perhaps what is what is safe or what is what is maybe comfortable and he wants us to step out of that to go after the one who's lost they have no direction and they have no protection in their lives in other words if you hear one thing I got to say today, I hope this will at least stick in your heart and I hope it will, it will compel you to leave this place to do what it is that God has called us to do. And that is this, found people, find people. Turn to your neighbor, look at them and say, found people, find people. Because that's what God has called us to do as followers of Jesus Christ. If we were lost and, and, and God reached out to us and found us, we have a responsibility to find other people. And when you think about finding other people, here's what I want us to understand. Number one, Jesus rescued us so that we can rescue others. Jesus rescued us so we can, re so we can rescue others. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said it this way, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Every one of us in this room today if you have been found, in other words, spiritually speaking, if there was a time where you were spiritually lost, you were the one who was wandering, you're the one who drifted, maybe spiritually, morally, you found yourself in a place that you never intended to go. And by the way, it's what sin does. You know, it's, you, you've heard, probably have heard this said, sin will take you further than, than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. And so people, they drift, they drift spiritually and they drift morally. Why? Because they have no direction. Therefore, they have no protection. They're vulnerable to, to all of the consequences that the, that the world and the culture is, is throwing at them. And, and as a result, people, they don't know that there's a way home. There's a, there's a way back. And so those of us who have been found, those who have been there and can relate and understand, God has given us a spiritual moral responsibility to reach out to those that are wandering, those who have drifted, those who are spiritually lost. Why? Because found people find people. And here's what God wants us to do. God wants us more than anything to rescue them because he has rescued us through his son, Jesus Christ. 
Now, I just want to get real practical for just for just a moment because a lot of people say, well, yes, well, I've been rescued by the grace of God, and I'm so thankful for that. But who is it in my life that God wants me to rescue? Well, you know who they are. You know who they are. Well, let me put it to you this way. I want you to think about three groups of people in your sphere of influence. Think about this. I want you to think for just a moment about the people that you used to know. Now, what I mean by people that you used to know, I'm talking about people that maybe in your past, maybe if you're in high school, maybe somebody used to hang out with middle school. Maybe when, you know, when you were uh, maybe living, you know, across town somewhere or, or maybe in an old place of employment where you used to work or, you know, whatever the situation, circumstances may be, there were people in your circle of friendships at that point that you used to know, people that you used to spend time with, but maybe a life has happened, you know, time has passed by, and all of a sudden you're not as connected with those people as you used to be. You don't talk to them as frequently as you used to. Maybe you don't do things with them like you used to, but yet you still know who they are. Here's what I've learned. I've learned there are a lot of people that come to church, and I see this all the time as a pastor. They come to church, and, and all of a sudden there's a season in their life where all of a sudden, spiritually speaking, man, they're, they're really refocusing. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to get their life back in order. and They're trying to grow and connect as a family or maybe in their marriage relationship. And there's a season where all of a sudden things are going pretty well. And then, boom, something happens. There's a change. And all of a sudden, rather than clinging to the spiritual family that God placed them in, here's what I see. I see they begin to drift. They begin to wonder. They begin to try to solve their own problems rather than allowing God to intervene in their circumstances. And so what happens is, is a lot of those people we used to know, maybe they've drifted. They've wandered off and God wants us to find them. God wants us to pursue them. God wants us to step out and to reach them. There's a second group of people. And not only is it the people that we used to know, but the people who we currently know. I'm talking about the person you talked to yesterday. I'm talking about the people that you work with Monday through Friday. I'm talking about the people in your sphere of influence currently, maybe on your ball team or maybe that you go to school with or maybe that, you know, a neighbor that you see several times a day. I'm talking about the people in your current life right here, right now, people that you know that spiritually speaking, morally speaking, from the best of your ability, as you, as you have been maybe watching and listening and processing where they are in your heart, you're thinking, man, they, are, they have drifted, they have wandered off. Spiritually speaking, they're lost. God wants you to reach those people. He wants you to step out of the comfort zone of your life, and he wants you to reach out to them. There's a third group of people. You know, it's those that we used to know, those who we currently know, and those who we would like to know. You ever been introduced to somebody, and maybe it's just a real quick, you know, connection point, you know, just, just long enough to where you put a face in the name with somebody, but you walked away, or maybe you drove away, and you thought, man... That's a pretty cool guy. I'd like to get to know him. Or, hey, that's a, that's a pretty cool couple. Man, we ought to, we ought to take them out sometime. That was, a, that was a great family. Man, we, I would love for our kids to get to know their kids. And all of a sudden, these are the people that you'd like to get to know. You don't know them yet, but there's somebody that you thought, you know, I could see myself really connecting with that individual. Those are incredible opportunities for us to step out of our place of comfort once again. And into a place of concern to say, you know what, 
I want to share with you my story. I want to share with you what Jesus has meant to my life. I want to tell you how I was once lost, but how God found me through his love and through his grace, and through his patience, through his mercy, through his son, Jesus Christ. I was talking with a lady the other day, and she was sharing with me an incident that she had. She was literally shopping at Publix. And she was down the aisle where the potato chips were. This is a lady who goes to our church. And she noticed that there was another lady who was coming towards her, pushing her grocery cart. And the lady that was approaching her in her grocery cart asked the lady that goes to our church a question about some potato chips that this lady had pulled off the shelf and put in her basket. She was asking her about the chips. She asked her, if she liked those chips, what she thought about those chips, and the lady that goes to our church said, oh, these are awesome. You ought to try them. Well, they sat there in the aisle, the potato chip aisle, for about 10 minutes talking. And the lady from our church invited that woman to come and visit our church. Now, this happened several months ago. You know what's amazing? Is that the woman that was coming down the aisle who asked the woman that goes to our church the question about the potato chips. She's from the state of California. Her and her husband had moved here to the city of Orlando a couple, a couple of, about three months ago. And they're Christians. But when they, they arrived here, uh, because of the busyness and new job and everything going on, uh, they had not plugged into a church. One thing led to another. The lady from our church says, well, hey, we have a church in Man, I'd love for you to come and be my guest. And the, and, the, and the other lady said, you have no idea what an answer to prayer this is. She says, as a matter of fact, she said, this morning when I pulled into the grocery store parking lot before I got out, she said, I just grabbed the steering wheel of my car and I just bowed my head and I prayed and I just asked that God would give us direction and clarity about where we can start going to church as a family. And lo and behold, God answered her prayer down the potato chip aisle from one of the ladies in our church. I'm telling you, you just never know the divine appointments that God has prepared for you. And so we've got to understand, listen, God has rescued us so that we can rescue others. But there's a second thing is, second thing that I want us to know, and that is this. Jesus re reconnected us so that we can reconnect others. You see, that's so vitally important. Jesus reconnected us so that we can reconnect others. Here's what the scripture says in Colossians 1, verses 19 through 22. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Notice carefully. This concludes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in the physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I don't know about you, but man, that in and of itself is a tremendous motivation 
for me to reach out to people, for me to step out of my comfort zone and to connect with people. Because listen, I who was once lost in sin, I who had no direction once in my life, there was a time where I had no direction and no protection in my life. I was lost and Jesus found me. He pursued me. And not only did he rescue me, but he reconnected me. He joined me back with him where I belong. And that's what you got to understand. God loves us. He created us. He designed us. He created us. And he made us. Why? So he could love us and have a relationship with us. And we got to understand that if we are disconnected from God, man, he wants nothing more than for us to be reconnected with him. And the greatest bridge that often occurs is somebody that's standing between you and God. And that person that is standing in the middle is someone that God wants you to reconnect. God is someone, God is, God is challenging you to reach out to someone that needs to be rescued and someone who needs to be reconnected because those people who are lost spiritually will never find the way back unless we step out from the 99 and we go after the one that's lost that desperately needs to be reached. And you know what the shepherd did when he found that one lost sheep? What did he do? He picked it up, he carried it back, and when he joined the others, you know what the scripture says in Luke 15, 7? In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous who haven't strayed away. Can you imagine what it would look like in the coming weeks if every one of us got focused and determined? Listen, we became persistent when it came to pursuing those who are spiritually lost. When it came to rescuing those that need to be reached. When it came to reconnecting those that need to simply be reconnected. Can you imagine what would happen if all of a sudden family members and coworkers and friends and people in our lives, God used us to reach out, to step out into their lives. To suddenly see marriages brought back together. Young people won to faith in Christ. Families put back together. People whose lives have been devastated by addictions suddenly be set free to live victorious in their life. Can you imagine the party that would be going on in heaven? Can you imagine the celebration with the angels in heaven because those who were lost have been found. Those who have been disconnected have been reconnected and joined back with our heavenly Father. That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. Why? Because found people find people. Let's bow our heads together.